You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. On April 18th, 2007, in Malacha, Turkey, three young Christian men were murdered. Their names were Nakati, Uger, and Tilman. They were working in a Christian publishing office. And on that day in April, five young Muslim Turks walked in the office and killed those three young men. During questioning by the police, one of the young Muslim men said, we didn't do this for ourselves, we did it for our religion. May this be a lesson to the enemies of our religion. Why were Nakati, Uger, and Tillman murdered? Simply because they were followers of Jesus. That's called persecution. Those three young men were martyrs for the faith. And as we finish our study this morning on the Beatitudes, we're going to see that Jesus addresses this issue specifically. He has some things to say about this issue that apply to your life and my life. So keeping that in mind, look with me in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to focus specifically on verses 10 through 12, but I'm going to read the entire Beatitude passage starting in verse 2 to remind us of the journey we have been on walking our way through these eight statements of blessing. So look with me, Matthew chapter 5. Verse 2, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. What a powerful morning of worship it has been. Excited how the Lord is working and trusting Him to continue to work in our midst. There in verse 2, the Bible says, And He, Jesus, opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others 
revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we come into your presence, recognizing our need for you. In this moment, Lord, we need you. We need you to move in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit, that our eyes might be opened, that we might understand the truths of Scripture, and that we might have the wherewithal to respond to those truths. Lord, have your way in our midst. Touch our hearts. Change our lives. As we worship and praise King Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount found in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew with the Beatitudes. These statements of blessing. And these statements of blessing are connected with characteristics that we are to pursue and to live out. And Jesus' point in these Beatitudes is, if these characteristics are yours, that's when you will experience the blessed or fulfilled or happy or joyful life. In fact, I've given you a one-sentence summary of the Beatitudes every week. The Beatitudes are characteristics of kingdom citizens that lead to true fulfillment in life. You are, are you looking for fulfillment in life? These Beatitudes, these, these statements of characteristics you and I should be living out will bring that fulfillment in your life. Now, this final Beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted is the last and also the longest of the Beatitudes. It is stated in verse 10, it is restated in verse 11, and it is explained in verses 11 and 12. So it's the last, but it's also the longest. And as we look at this section of Scripture, there are four thoughts about persecution that I want to share with you related to this text and other scriptures. First of all, as we look at these words of Jesus, we see the reality of persecution. The reality of persecution. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Jesus does not present the idea of persecution as an if, Jesus presents the idea of persecution under the idea of when, when it happens. Now the word translated persecuted or persecute in verse 11 is the uh, Greek word dioko. It means to pursue with a view to apprehension or harassment. It means that someone is pursuing someone else in order to harass them or harm them. And in the text here, in verse 10, it is a perfect participle, which simply means that 
this is an ongoing reality for those that name the name of Christ. It means, I want you to hear me carefully on this, that the Christian, if truly following God, will always walk in the shadow of impending abuse from the enemies of Christ. Let me say it again. The Christian, if truly following God, will always walk in the shadow of impending abuse from the enemies of Christ. You see, persecution is presented in the Bible not as a possibility or even as a probability. Persecution is presented as a promise. You know the old hymn we sing? Church, I sang it growing up. Standing on the promises of God. We love to sing out those promises. Well, one of the promises is persecution. How about that? Persecution. You say, Pastor Wade, are you overstating the case? Well, listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. Paul writing here to the church in Ephesus and to the young pastor Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. You're following in my footsteps, Paul says. And then he says, also, my persecutions. And my sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Listen to verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not a probability or a possibility. This is a promise. Now, why? Why does that happen to those who fervently follow Jesus? What is the the cause of persecution? Why would someone with the characteristics found in the Sermon on the Mount experience persecution? Remember the one we studied last time we were together, the, the beatitude right before this is peacemakers. Why would someone who's a peacemaker be persecuted? What is the cause? Well, let me give you a couple answers to that question. First of all, non-conformity. Non-conformity. Look what Jesus says there in verse 10. Don't miss this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. In other words, he's speaking here to people that are persecuted for doing the right thing. And I would say doing the right thing in the eyes of God. Righteousness' sake. People possessing these characteristics listed in the Beatitudes will naturally stand out from the crowd and will naturally not be understood by others. These, these Beatitudes are countercultural. They're counterintuitive. So when someone is living out these realities, poverty of spirit, mourning over their spiritual condition, meekness, hungering after righteousness, merciful to others, pure in heart, making peace between... When someone lives out these characteristics, they will stand out from the crowd. And look at me, the crowd don't like it. In fact... Over in John 3, 19 and 20, Jesus says this. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And listen, people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. 
For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. Jesus is very clear here. When people are living in the darkness, living out the works of darkness, they are offended by light. They don't want anything to do with it. And so a natural response to a Christian's nonconformity is to harass the Christian. Nonconformity is one of the reasons why Christians are persecuted, which might lead to this question. Pastor Wade, I heard you talking this morning about Malatya, Turkey. Persecutions happening over there, certainly. It's happening in places like North Korea and West Africa, places like that. But here in America, we're not persecuted for our faith. Why is that the case? James Montgomery Boyce addresses this when he says... Much of our Christianity has sunk to a level where it is hardly noticed. There is sometimes precious little true Christian character. But when Christians get serious about righteousness, we get serious about following Jesus with fervent, passionate, bold, courageous hearts, There will come a greater contrast between the darkness and the light. And the darkness doesn't like it. And a growing persecution will come. In fact, I think that's what's happening in our culture. As our culture rapidly disintegrates and things change so quickly, those that are followers of Christ are going to stand out from the crowd more and more and more and more. And our society, which is already marginalizing Christians and harassing Christians and ridiculing Christians, our society is going to turn on Christians in an ever-increasing way. It's coming. I believe in my lifetime we will experience a greater degree of persecution unless something changes in our nation. It's coming. And the reason is nonconformity. Ralph Waldo Emerson, as I quote often, said this, For nonconformity, the world whips you with its displeasure. And when we stand for things the Bible teaches, things that Christians have stood for for thousands of years, like biblical marriage between one man and one woman, the reality that God makes people in His image and assigns them their gender and God doesn't make mistakes, when we believe things like that, the culture is going to say, No! We don't like what you have to say. And there's going to be a growing price to pay for nonconformity in our culture. But secondly, why do Christians have to be concerned even about persecution, nonconformity? But secondly, simply who we represent. Look at what it says in verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Look what he says next. On my account. On my account. In other words, Jesus is saying persecution will come just because you name the name of Christ. Jesus taught his disciples this in John 15, verses 18 through 21. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things, Jesus says, they will do to you on account of my name. That's what Jesus says. Because they do not know him who sent me. You know, there are places in this world where it is dangerous for Americans to go. You can go to the State Department website, and the State Department will list different countries with different levels of warning about Americans traveling abroad in those countries. And the danger comes not because you are planning to do something specific in that country. The danger comes simply because of who you represent. If you go to certain countries, just being an American citizen can put your life in jeopardy. And that's the point that Jesus is making here. Jesus is saying that persecution comes just because of who we represent. The world hates Jesus because Jesus came to this earth and moved and spoke with power. And Jesus said things like this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus taught there is one way to heaven. There's a, there is exclusivity when it comes to salvation. And the world doesn't want to hear that. So when you name the name of Christ, you can expect ridicule, insults, marginalization, isolation, just because you name the name of Jesus. Those are the causes of persecution. But what are the the characteristics of persecution? Very quickly, insults, verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you, revile you. Uh, they're, They're heaping scorn upon you because you are a follower of Christ. That is certainly happening in our culture today. Also lies. Look in verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So Jesus is saying, don't be surprised when people lie maliciously about you because you name the name of Christ. And then notice in verse 12, he says, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, that gives us a little bit of insight into what persecution might look like in our lives. Because we can look back at the prophets and see how they were persecuted. How were the prophets persecuted? Well, intimidation. 1 Kings 19. Elijah was intimidated by the evil queen Jezebel. Hatred. 1 Kings 22 speaks of a hatred against the prophets of God. Even physical harm, we studied it in Daniel when they threw the three Hebrew boys into the fiery furnace. We saw when they threw Daniel into the lion's den. Uh, Jeremiah 37, Jeremiah was thrown into a pit. He was beaten and thrown into a pit. We see that the prophets of God, those who boldly spoke truth on behalf of God, were persecuted physically. And so what might persecution look like 
insults, lies, intimidation, hatred, physical harm. This could happen in your family. This could happen in your school. This could happen on your athletic team. This could happen in your workplace. These are realities for those who boldly, fervently, unashamedly follow King Jesus. So we see here, first of all, the the reality of persecution. Secondly, we see the response to persecution. Look what Jesus says. Again, these are counterintuitive. Look what Jesus says in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. When you are insulted, when you are lied about, when you are intimidated, when you are hated, when someone brings physical harm to bear on your life, Jesus says you ought to rejoice. You ought to be glad. That's our response to persecution. Well, it is. Because the verse where it says rejoice and be glad, those are imperatives in the original language, which means these are commands. These are not optional We are commanded to rejoice and be glad in the midst of persecution. And and why is that? Well, 1 Peter gives us a little bit more insight about why we can rejoice and be glad in persecution. 1 Peter 4, 12-14, Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, same idea, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now listen to verse 14. This is so important. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because Peter writes, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. In other words, when you go through hardship for following Jesus you will experience an intimacy with God that goes deeper than other people experience. Because in a very special, specific way, when you are suffering on account of the name of Jesus, God causes the spirit of glory to rest upon you. And you get to experience that. And so Jesus says, rejoice And be glad that God has not left you. He's not forsaken you. In fact, He is pouring out special favor upon you in the midst of the persecution. So rejoice. Secondly, how do you respond to persecution? Faithfully endure. Faithfully endure. Again, we spent months studying Daniel. We saw these Hebrew young men and And Daniel, as a senior adult, faithfully enduring for truth, for the one true God, boldly following Him and serving Him and obeying Him, even though there was a cost. We see it over in Acts chapter 7 when when Stephen is being stoned and, and he keeps preaching the truth about the Lord. Faithful endurance. Now, this is not specific in Matthew chapter 5, but it is implied in the text because in verses 13 through 16, Jesus says, Hey, be salt, be light. Preserve a decaying society. Let your light shine. And and just remember, when your light is shining, the dark 
won't like it. So faithful endurance is implied in this text. But endure knowing that Jesus is with you. We sang it this morning. Daniel 3. When the the Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace, there was another in the fire with them. You can know that when you are going through persecution or hardship for the name of Christ, that Jesus is with you. And back to Stephen's example in Acts chapter 7. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and ascended to the Father, Hebrews 1 says he sat down at the right hand of God. Signifying that his work as the great high priest was done. It was completed. The work of redemption was finished. Jesus paid it all. He sat down at the right hand of God. Aren't you glad for the finished work of redemption? But in Acts 7, as Stephen is being stoned for preaching Jesus by the religious leaders of the day, the the, the skies are rolled back And Stephen gets a vision of heaven. And in that moment, listen, Jesus stands up. And he he puts the tension on what Stephen is going through. And he watches over him and even honors his life in that moment as he died. Jesus stood up to watch his servant, faithfully serving him to the end, faithfully endure, rejoice, and be glad. I read a book years ago that I highly recommend. It's a book called Safely Home by Randy Alcorn. And Randy Alcorn spent some time in China. He talked to church leaders over there and uh, went through different cities and, and towns and villages. And he really wanted to understand the persecuted church in China and, and after he interviewed a lot of pastors and understood a little bit about what was going on in that nation, he wrote a book, and it's, it's fictional. He, he makes up names, he makes up the names of cities, the names of people, but he's really talking about real people. He's just, he's just using different names in different places so as not to get them in any trouble. So this book, Safely Home, is a book about the persecuted church in China. And it's powerful because it it pictures how they rejoice in their suffering, how they faithfully endure, even to the end, some of them. And I read it, and I said, Claire, this is years ago, I said, Claire, you've got to read this book. You you just got to read it. And so the way Claire reads is she gets into a book, and she can't put it down. Now I remember one night, uh, middle of the night, I heard something, and I woke up. Claire was by me in bed, and and I woke up, and Claire was sobbing sobbing. I said, Claire, what are you doing? She said, I'm reading that book you told me to read. But she was sobbing because of the example of those who named the name of Christ in very difficult areas with joy and with faithful endurance. That's how you and I are to respond to persecution. Very quickly, what are the rewards of persecution? If you go through it, what are the rewards? Look what it says in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This means two things. First of all, it means that this is a characteristic of kingdom citizens. It's the first beatitude characteristic when it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last one says, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is called inclusio, which means that all of these beatitudes are about those who are kingdom citizens. 
But here it means that if you know Christ, if you're a part of the kingdom of heaven, then that's what you do. You, you rejoice even though you're going through hard times. But I think it also is a reminder that if you are going through difficult times here on this earth, guess what? It gets better. You get to go to heaven when you die. Even those that are martyred for their faith, those three young men in Turkey, listen, they died for their faith, but they went to heaven. That's the reward for the persecuted And so the kingdom of heaven is the first prize for those that faithfully endure through hard times. And then there are rewards in heaven. Rewards in heaven. Paul said in 2 Timothy that his life was being poured out as a drink offering. He he knew he was about to die for preaching Jesus under the, the reign of Nero. But he said... When I die, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. God sees what I'm doing for him. Nothing I do for him goes unnoticed. There will be a reward, a crown of righteousness. And remember my opening illustration, the three men in Malatya, Turkey. Malatya, Turkey is the modern day city that used to be called Smyrna. And in Revelation chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, the Lord Jesus addresses the church in Smyrna. Here's what he says. I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. The slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He says... Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Then he says, Jesus says, Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. When you walk through persecution in this life faithfully, When you get to heaven, your faithfulness will be recognized and rewarded. A crown of life. Paul says a crown of righteousness. And and here's why that's a good thing. When you get to heaven and get a crown like that, it gives you something to throw at the feet of Jesus as you worship Him. So we see in... This text, the reality of persecution, the response to persecution, the rewards of persecution. But fourth and last, there's a reminder about persecution I want to give you. As I was studying this text, this verse kept coming to my mind. And uh, I said, I've got, to, I've got to incorporate this into the sermon because the Lord just wouldn't, wouldn't let me go in regards to this text. And it's an important reminder Because when you talk about persecution and hardship and insults and malicious lies and physical harm and those sorts of things, a sermon like this can make you think, well, let's be tough, let's be strong, let's be courageous. Let's fight the spiritual fight. Let's 
fight the spiritual battle, and all those are realities that we should be attuned to. But let me remind you of something the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That chapter is often called the love chapter. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And then it says in verse 3, listen. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, martyrdom, persecution, but have not love, I gain nothing. Just a reminder, as our society becomes more caustic, As our society increasingly turns against those who name the name of Christ. Just a reminder. To follow Christ faithfully is to walk in the way of love. We faithfully endure. We we live with courage and strength and resolve all the while. Reflecting love to a lost and dying world that needs to understand that Jesus loves them and died for their sins. Persecution doesn't give us a chance, uh, an, uh, an excuse to act like non-Christians. Amen. It's not a pass to be ugly. Persecution. Hardship for the name of Christ as it squeezes us should squeeze out more love into this world. And faithful, courageous, bold endurance with love. Hey, look at me. That'll change the world. And so Jesus says, Blessed are you and others revile you and persecute you. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.